You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio, where we talk to people about the medical value of cannabis. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Ellent. Today we're going to talk about one of those heartwarming stories of cannabis helping a little boy who was literally at death's doorstep. In September of 2012, two-year-old Landon Riddle was diagnosed with acute lymphocytic leukemia. And joining us from Colorado to tell Landon's story is his mother, Sierra Riddle. Sierra, good to have you with us today. Hello, I am doing fantastic. How are you guys? We're great. How is uh, Landon doing today, four years after his diagnosis? Uh, Today, Landon is doing absolutely fantastic. He's about to celebrate uh, four years of remission and is really doing well. Um, You know, still healing from the damages of chemotherapy, narcotics, and radiation. But he is just doing absolutely fantastic uh, I think a thousand times better than anybody could have ever imagined. He's very healthy now, has a very healthy immune system. He's growing, you know, just all of all of the things that uh, a six-year-old child should be doing. Sierra, take us back to the beginning when Landon first got ill. What were some of his symptoms? So uh, in the beginning, Landon first started presenting symptoms solely as a sore throat. His uh, throat had become swollen and you know, he was complaining about it, and so we took him in to the doctor, and they, you know, tested him for strep throat and all the usual suspects, and said that it was none of those, it was probably a virus, and to just go home and, you know, fluids and rest. Well, it continued on, and by, you know, the third day, Landon's armpits were now swollen as well, and so we took him back, and they said, you know, oh, it must be a lymphatic virus or infection or whatever and um, gave him some medicine, some antibiotics, I believe, and sent us home. Well, on the fourth or fifth day, Landon's throat was still swollen, his armpits were swollen, and his abdomen, where his lymph nodes are, were swollen. And then we went to change his diaper, and the lymph nodes in his growing were very swollen. I mean, they were, um, you know, bigger than his, his genitals at that point. And so we rushed him to the emergency room, and... Um, told him, you know, what had been going on. We've had him in the doctors all this week, and they keep saying it's, you know, nothing, it's a virus, and obviously something is wrong. And all it took was a little teeny, you know, prick of the finger. They took a little bit of Landon's blood, looked at it under a microscope, and came back and said, you know, we don't know how to tell you this, but he has cancer. He has leukemia, blood cancer, and it's very severe. And we have a team coming from the nearest children's cancer center via helicopter to pick him up right now. You need to go home and get a bag. And you need to pack a bag with quite a a few changes of clothes because we don't know when you will be back. And the nearest Children's Cancer Center uh, was a little over 300 miles from our house. And so, you know, and we went and got up there and they said that Landon's, you know, leukemia was so severe that he only had an 8 to 10% chance to live the next 24 to 48 hours and that they were not sure if they were going to be able to stop it. And it had grown 
so fast and was producing so fast that it had already taken over most of his blood and was now producing a tumor, a mass in his chest that was pushing on his heart and his airways. And it was just solely leukemia cells that had all stuck together. And he was having problems breathing and, and all of these different things. And it was so, it was terrifying. It was one of the worst days of my life. Uh, seeing my happy, healthy child, you know, and now they're saying he might not make it, you know, until the morning. And, um, you know, obviously Landon made it and he, they, you know, started laying out the plan for us and the chemotherapy and the radiation of the brain and, and all of these different things. And, um, you know, told us that his type of cancer, even though it is, is very severe and he's a high risk patient, that it has a very good success rate of being cured. It's like a little over 90-something, 90 92%, I think, is what it is. And, you know, started telling us about what was going to be happening and the different what we could expect and, and told us that he would have to do chemotherapy and steroids for four years. Mm. And, of course, we asked, you know, why? And they said, well, that's the protocol. So any child in the United States, male child, that is diagnosed with leukemia will do four years of chemotherapy and steroids. When you say and that is where sorry, Sierra. When, sorry? You, when you say male child, is it different for females? Yes, females only have to do two years, and that is because the leukemia cells like to hide in the male's testicles, mm. and that's also a, a large reason why a huge percentage of our male children with leukemia are sterile. They, you know, they end up sterile from treatments, so they can no longer have kids. Um, and, you know, all of these things are just are heartbreaking things to consider. But, you know, when they're telling you your kid's going to die, you're like, who cares what's going to happen in 25 years? You know, I want him alive now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we agreed and we thought that they knew what was best for Landon, you know, and that they were the experts and they were the doctors. And, and because his case was so severe, you know, that they really had his best interest in mind and started the chemotherapy, started uh, radiation that next month, and it wasn't 90 days in, and Landon had been reduced to 50% of his body weight. He went in at 40 pounds, and by December, he was 20 pounds. Yeah, I saw, I saw a picture of, uh, of him, a video, and he, I mean, he looked uh, very skeleton-like, didn't he? It was, it was, yeah, it was, he was vomiting anywhere from 25 to 50 times per day. Um, they had him on so many narcotics trying to keep his pain down and everything else. Um, he developed severe neuropathy from one of the chemotherapies and could no longer walk and was having severe nerve pain in his feet and legs. He was on morphine, Oxycontin, Ativan, um, you know, all of these different drugs, Zofren, Miralax. I mean, there was 25 medications that he was on per day, um, and none of them were helping him. He was still vomiting. He was still sick, except now he would be unconscious and vomiting, you know, just so high on the morphine and the Oxycontin. And he was only two years old at this time, you know, and they're saying, we're going to have to do this for four years. And they're like, it's not this intense the whole time and, you know, whatever, and trying to, you know, make it better and, and make it seem like if you can just get through this. Um, but for Landon, unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and he was uh, categorized. Oh, I'm so sorry, my little chihuahuas. No, that's fine. Barking yeah. at someone. That's good. He was categorized in a very small percentage of children that do as bad as he did with chemotherapy, and um, you know, just 
the best way that I can honestly describe it to people is Landon is allergic to chemo. He cannot have it. It makes him vomit. It burns his skin when it, you know, exits the body. Um, it's just, it's terrible. And, um, you know, he suffered so much damage because of the chemo. And so uh, in December, you know, we kind of saw the writing on the wall, and we had already been in contact with some people in Colorado, the Stanley brothers, talking about treating Landon and, and taking him. Because, unfortunately, uh, back in 2013, there wasn't a lot of children that were being treated, and if they were being treated, it wasn't publicly. Yeah, I should so just... we could not I sh- find I sh- yeah. any... <laughs> Sierra, I should... Yeah, we couldn't find anyone to talk to about it. It was a very scary time. Yeah, I should say, to uh, just to advise listeners, you were living in Utah at the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we were. Yeah, what... Uh, yeah. And you, and you were talking to the Stanley brothers... Yes, and they were, uh, you know, educating us about cannabis and um, if it could help Landon, if it could harm Landon. I know that's, you know, a huge question for a lot of us. And like I said, you know, there was no other people that we could really call and, and ask that were treating their children because there were no children being treated that were as young as Landon, and nobody wanted to take that risk. We couldn't find anywhere but two places that were willing to um, take on Landon as a patient, and one that one of them was in Oregon, and then the Stanley Brothers in Colorado. And so um, after one particular chemo treatment, uh, they came in and told us, you know, that Landon's count had taken a turn for the worst. He had no immune system, no hemoglobin, no platelets, which are the things that, you know, protect your body and make bruising and things like that, and that they were going to have to give him a blood and platelet transfusion and that we needed to then take him home for at least two weeks because he literally could not have any more chemo or he would die, that they needed to let his body rebound and, and fight off the chemo that they had just given him, and then he might be healthy enough to have it. And so me and my mother kind of took that as a sign um, that it was time to at least go and try. We had two weeks, you know, and, and that would be enough time to try him on the oil. And so we left the hospital in Salt Lake City and drove right over Wyoming and down into Colorado Springs. And Landon received his first dose of oil um, on my birthday, actually. <laughs> and um, it was an amazing time. He slept for, I want to say, 18 hours the first mm-hmm. time. And he had not slept, and I can't tell you how long, because he had so many issues. And he had developed night terrors. And so he was never getting that restful sleep. And so he rested and slept for, you know, 18 hours and at this point in time in Landon's treatment, he had stopped eating, and he went ended up going 30 days without putting a grain of rice into his mouth. He was IV fed and um, had no desire to eat, none at all, you know, didn't ask for it, wouldn't take it if it was offered, you know, and it didn't matter what it was, birthday cake, ice cream, his favorite thing, he, he did not eat. And uh, he woke up from that first dose, and he asked us for, I think it was toast and string cheese. And that was a huge sign for us. Um, And just the fact that he was talking, Landon had really, he'd stopped talking to us, um, whether it was because it was painful or because, you know, he was just so sick. And so just those small things, asking, you know, Mm -hmm. for food and smiling and talking to us, those were huge steps for us. 
So at the end of our two weeks, we decided, okay, you know, this is a viable treatment option. And we had no idea, you know, what it could do as far as killing cancer. We thought it was just going to help Landon to survive chemo. Yeah, I Sarah, think can, I, our, can yeah. I interject yeah. here for a moment to just uh, just for um, confirmation for listeners? Um, you say when you gave him his first dose of oil, et cetera, the next day you could see all these changes begin to happen. Are we talking a high THC oil or a high CBD yes. oil? Both. Landon um, at the time was taking Charlotte's Web, which was, you know, for a long time the highest CBD available, I believe 20-something percent. But Landon has always taken two times more THC per day than he does CBD. And, you know, there's so many memes out there of Landon and, and news reports and stuff where they say that Landon is on CBD oil. And while that is true... Landon has always taken a fair amount of CBD. Landon takes twice as much THC, THC. per day and okay. always has. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's in- interesting. He must have been, uh, when you said earlier that uh, he hadn't talked to you and, and didn't want to talk, didn't want to eat, um, that must have been uh, a poor little two-year-old boy who was poisoned inside and starving himself to death. And it must have been uh, tragic for you to witness that. It, it was, you know, it was a very stressful time. I'm a single mom, and so, you know, I'm, I'm going through all of this alone and, and taking care of him alone, and thank goodness I had my mother. Uh, she was a huge support for us, um, but she still had a job and, and a family and everything else, and so, you know, I was mainly the one, um, you know, in the trenches with Landon day in and day out, mm-hmm. and honestly, I'm honestly very surprised I did not lose my sanity. Because watching your child disintegrate in front of you and become that skeletal figure and, you know, a bump into the the arm of the couch can make him internally bleed because of the treatments they're giving him, you know, and his mouth is constantly has sores and is bleeding, his bum is bleeding from and has, you know, skin tears and stuff from the chemo coming out of his body. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize or know, but whenever you get chemotherapy, your bodily fluids are radioactive for up to 72 hours after. And so for children, I mean, I'm changing my son's diapers and stuff with gloves on with Mm -hmm. a radioactive uh, protective gown. And then I would have to put his soiled pampers and stuff into a radioactive container and a special company would come and pick it up where radioactive waste goes. If he vomited and it got on me, it burned me. If he cried and it got on me, it burned me. If he kissed me and his lips were wet, it burned me. Um, you know, the the absolute brutal truth of cancer is that they are torturing our children. They really are. That's the best way I can describe it to anyone. And all you can do is sit there and help them do it, you know, because they're, they say that this is the only option for, for cancer. And so, you know, we decided that this was a good choice for Landon. We brought him back to Utah and continued on with his treatments. Um, and the good thing about blood cancer is that they're constantly testing you and testing your blood. And, you know, they really um, want to keep on top of where your levels are, your white blood count, red blood count, hemoglobin, all these different things, your immune system. And so we were able to, you know, slowly but surely start seeing these amazing changes and differences. Landon was having uh, the same intensity and frequency of chemotherapy at this point as he was before, 
but he's not needing the blood transfusions, the platelet transfusions. His counts aren't taking, you know, the cannabis was protecting his healthy cells and letting, you know, the chemo fight off the rest. And so he didn't no longer got sick all the time. He was no longer in the hospital, no longer being life flighted, you mm-hmm. know, due to literally having a no immune system and catching whatever virus came by in the wind. You know, it, I mean, I can't tell you guys how many times he was life flighted near death for something that should be a sniffle for a happy, healthy person. Um, and that's the reality of it, you know, that most of the time it's not even the cancer that kills our children, it's the treatments and the side effects of the treatments. And so, you know, as we started to see these things and and um, we decided to, you know, really up Landon's dose and um, I gave Landon 1,000 milligrams of THC per day and 500 milligrams of CBD per day, so 1,500 milligrams for 365 days. Um, mm. And, you know, during the first part of that, once I got Landon over about 200, 250 milligrams of THC per day, I started noticing that he's not needing the morphine and he's not withdrawing from it. Before Landon, even if he was not in pain or didn't need it, I still had to dose him with the Oxycontin and morphine because his body had become dependent on it. That's what they told me. He was addicted to it. He was addicted to it. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it's addiction. Um, But once I started giving him, you know, the good doses of THC, I started noticing I didn't have to. And within two weeks' time, I was able to completely take the Oxycontin and morphine and Ativant all the way out of his treatment. I mean, 100%. He has never had any since then. Um, and that was, and once we did that, Landon really started getting better. So I really firmly believe that the narcotics were keeping Landon in a fog and keeping him unable to really start healing and, and get better. Um, because when, like I said, once we took him out, he really started improving. Sierra, um, did you notice that when you were giving him uh, increased doses of THC, uh, was his behavior any different? Um, yes. So whenever Landon, uh, you know, before when he was doing the treatments and he was on uh, the narcotics, he was very angry, very aggressive, um, very emotional, you know, because he was also having bursts of steroids. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, uh, and he's a small child and in pain. So a fee- good days were very few and far between for us, unfortunately. Even having a good moment was few and far between for Landon. And, you know, that's heartbreaking that every single day your child is having the worst day of their life. Vomiting and, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just absolutely heartbreaking, again, like I said, to see. And any parent that's been through it knows. Um, but once I started giving him the cannabis oil, really the only side effects that I noticed were hungry, happy, and sleepy. Yeah, interesting. You know, that's that's it. And he was a lot nicer. He was calmer. He didn't have um, as much aggression towards um, us and towards the the doctors and stuff. And, um, you know, Landon, unfortunately, was diagnosed with PTSD when he was only three years old because he would fight. Um, From the time he was diagnosed until the very last treatment, Landon fought. And they kept telling us in the beginning, you know, he's going to... He's going to give in. He's going to give in and understand that this is what has to be done. And Landon did not. He fought every step of the way. I think he knew that, you know, that 
they were trying to kill him, that we were trying to kill him, because unfortunately I was right there helping them. Mm-hmm. You know, you think you're doing the best thing for your child. And so, you know, he, man, his behavior has improved a hundred times, and he still has um, quite a few issues now because of it, because of the radiation to the brain and stuff. Um, but those are things that we're working on slowly. But the cannabis, I think, really helped him to you know, be able to get through those parts and to not have as much damage mentally and emotionally Um, because cancer treatments are very mentally and emotionally damaging, even for adults. And so, you know, those were the only side effects I saw. Like I said, hungry, happy, and sleepy. And on the morphine and Oxycontin, I can't tell you guys how many side effects we had. I mean, it's a list a mile long. Um, so that was a huge comfort for me. Sierra, tell us the response you got from uh, the medical community when you told them that Landon was taking cannabis oil. Um, well, you know, <laughs> we were in uh, coming back and forth. You know, we had a dual residency in Colorado. And this was right around the time that Dr. Sanjay Gupta was filming his uh, weed series. And he filmed Landon for that series. And they were supposed to let us know. It wasn't supposed to be released until, you know, six or seven months away. Well, they decided to release, uh, you know, like the little preview. And mm. it's of Dr. Sanjay talking about Landon and uh, video footage of us and what we're doing. And, and we were still in Utah at that time. And so we go in, you know, the next day for Landon's treatment. And, you know, the oncologist looks at us like, and tells us, you know, I saw you on CNN last night. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we're about to have a heart attack. You know, please, we're leaving today. You know, we're moving over there permanently, and we just wanted to come in and say goodbyes and get, you know, his records and stuff. And thankfully, they allowed us to walk out. Um, they they could have not. You know, they definitely could have tried to take Landon and test him for THC and say, I'm, you know, giving him an illegal drug because we were in Utah. Mm-hmm. But they let us leave, you know, on the basis that I was withdrawing Landon from their facility and having his treatment transferred to Colorado. Um, once I got here, you know, I thought it was going to be different. I thought, you know, Colorado is so progressive and moving forward and, I'm going to tell them, you know, that I want to take out some of the chemos and the steroids and do all these things. And and so I did, and I tell them, you know, and, and how badly Landon has struggled. And, and they looked at me and laughed, like, we don't care how bad he struggled. This is the treatment plan, and this is what he's going to do. And I said, oh, no, he's not. We're not doing it. And that same day, as soon as I got home from that visit, CPS was at my door. Child Protection and Services, yeah. Yes, and by and you know uh, by the end of it, we had CPS come to our house and you know a report of us over a dozen times um, throughout this this course of this time. Um, but I really stuck to my guns. I had learned a lot. I had educated myself. I had spoken to a lot of doctors, such as Dr. Bob Malamede and Dr. William Courtney, and they were all saying the same thing that you know while there hadn't been any children yet who had been cured and survived um, as young as Landon because Cash Hyde had great, great success, but then Mm -hmm. unfortunately relapsed and passed away. Um, So there was no children that had survived as as young as Landon doing it and not doing chemo. Um, But that they really thought with my, you know, upping the dose and really 
sticking to the diet and nutrition. Landon only had organic GMO-free food. He still does to this day. And I also did, gave Landon alkaline water, pH balanced water, with a pretty high pH of 11.0. Every, everything that he had, you know, whether it was juice or, um, you know, I'm cooking with it or whatever, it was always pH balanced water to help alkaline his system. Did you do that? Be, be, point, Landon, sorry, sorry, Sierra. Did you do that because, oh, because of the, the uh, toxicity of the chemotherapy and the drugs he was taking was uh, yes. acidifying his body? Yes, all of all of the chemo and stuff had really done a, a number on Landon. The not eating for so long while having high doses of narcotics and chemo had done a number on Landon and on his stomach especially and his floral and stuff. And so um, that was a huge reason. But I had also read that cancer cannot live in an alkaline environment, that if, you know, your body's acidic and you're feeding it acidic foods, it's the prime, you know, Spot for cancer to be in and thrive, but if it's a very clean and alkaline system, cancer can't live there. And I figured it's just water. You know, it's not like I'm having to shove a box of baking soda down his throat. Mm -hmm. It's just water, and he didn't notice any difference. And so that was the, you know, coupled with the diet and nutrition and the cannabis oil, I really thought that I had a good arsenal to beat this. And at this time, Landon was in remission. Landon has um, been in remission, like I said, for four years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this is another fact a lot of people don't realize, but most children with leukemia, and when I say most, it's like more than 95%, go into remission in the first 30 days of treatment. And then you have to still do four years of chemo to keep you there is what they're saying. But almost all of them go into remission in the first 30 days. Landon did not, which then made his case um, an even bigger danger and risk. Um, he went in in the second month. So Landon had been in remission for about a month and a half before we started cannabis and and then, you know, ended the chemo and then it's, it's kept him in remission. Um, but that was another big issue to me. You know, if he's in remission and like, you know, let's say the first year's over, he's been in remission for a whole year. Why do we have to do three more years of chemotherapy and steroids, even though he's been in remission for a whole year? Mm -hmm. And their logic is that um, children... <clears throat> that do chemotherapy for one year, relapse at a very high rate. If they do it for two years, they relapse at a high rate. Three years, it gets less. Four years was the optimal time that most of the children stayed in remission for however many years that, you know, they did the study, 20 years or whatever it was. So that's why they do it for so long, but it didn't make sense to me, um, and especially to suppress and manipulate his immune system for that long of a time. They keep their immune system very low in between 1,200 and 1,500. Um, and just to give you a good idea, right now Landon runs at about four to 5,000. Oh, so it's yeah. it's very very low twelve hundred fifteen hundred, um, and anytime Landon got near fifteen hundred, he would catch colds and viruses and be very ill. And I you know I tried to voice these concerns, but it's always oh well you're just you're a young mother and you know you don't really know and cancer's complicated and you know I I went to school for this for ten years and I'm like listen this is my child you know and I see what he's responding to and what he's not and they didn't care I mean I can't tell you guys how many times I literally got into verbal confrontations with staff at the hospitals because they wanted to give Landon morphine or Oxycontin, and I said, no, he does not need it. He has alternative medication, and they would ask him, Landon, are you in pain? And he would say, no, 
And they're like, well, she made him say that. How did I make him say anything? He's three years old. He can tell you if he has an owie or not. You know what I mean? But he wasn't in pain. And so I would get CPS called on me for that. And thankfully, every time CPS showed up, I didn't have a dying sick child. I had a happy, healthy Landon running around. And so they really didn't understand why they were being told to investigate this either. He's not sick. He doesn't look ill. He's not, you know, not being taken care of. He's a very well-loved and well-taken-care-of child. But it was solely because they wanted him to have chemotherapy, steroids, and narcotics, and I did not. And, you know, we went round and round this battle for... um, gosh, a few months, I want to say eight or nine months. And during this time, um, I was supposed to be picking up the chemotherapy from the pharmacy, four different bottles, and giving it to Landon at home. And then every 30th day, he would go in for a checkup and have a small dose of IV chemo. Well, by the end of these eight months, um, and let me back up in the beginning, what, what led up to this is I was flat out refusing And so the hospital uh, contacted CPS and said that my son was in uh, dire (laughs) conditions and he was in a life or death situation and requested a meeting with a judge to determine if he could be placed in the medical foster care that would happen within 72 hours. And at this meeting, they say that uh, the oncologist says, you know, he can't go without chemo and I don't know what I'm talking about and my son will die and he can guarantee on his medical degree that if my son goes without these chemos, he will die. Well, flash forward, you know, um, we're going along just, you know, playing the song and dance with them and I pick up the medications, but I don't give them to him. I set them at home. And every 30th day, I take him in diligently. They test his blood, make sure he's in remission, and they would give him the small dose of IV chemo. And it made him very sick. He would vomit for days and days after. He would get burns, uh, chemical burns on his genitals and his bum from when it would exit and so finally I went in and I told him I've had enough of this um here's all your pills back I did not give them to them to Landon and you guys are liars you said he would die without these pills well here they all are right here and it's been nine or ten months so where is he Um, Sierra where is he now today what's his now Landon's uh, been cancer free for two years and chemo free for two years and the really crazy thing is um, I have that time hop thing you know so it shows me my pictures of the past so it's showing me right now all of these struggles that we went through like today's actually the day Landon had his port taken out um, which is where they put the chemo and everything through and it stays in until your child is completely done with treatment Mm -hmm. Uh, so the entire four years. So Landon's came out two years early. Landon's last chemotherapy should have been this month, October of 2016. Uh, I, my child would have not survived. <laughs> He's been off of chemo for two years, uh, half of the time. So we won halfway through for him to quit. Sierra, um, have and the, for, have, sorry to interrupt, but have have the uh, has ooh. your oncologist or, or the medical profession changed their mind about the the procedure that you undertook? No, no. In the end, um, it pretty much came down to they had to agree to disagree. But that's the thing is, um, unless they want to come and talk to me 
off the record and when I'm not in their hospital, they're not allowed to talk to me about anything other than chemotherapy and narcotics because that's what they're paid to do. Mm -hmm. They are only allowed to represent the ideals and thoughts of the hospital they are contracted to work with. Even if that doctor would never give his own child chemotherapy, he has to tell me it's the best thing for mine because mm -hmm. he works there as an oncologist. I've had many nurses come to me off, you know, off the record, off the clock, mm -hmm. and catch me in the parking lot or in the cafeteria and tell me, don't give him that flu shot. Don't give him this or that. I would not give it to my healthy child. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why didn't you tell me up there when you were all for it? And she said, I have to. I have to tell you it's the best thing for him. But I'm telling you right now, don't do it. And so go find Mary, baby. I'm on the phone. Yeah. Two seconds, okay? And so, you know, at that point, um, when I took the medications in and, and they see, you know, my blatant uh, <laughs> disregard for what they've told me and my blatant defiance, they say that Landon must have relapsed. And so they want to do evasive and extensive testing to see where his cancer markers are at. And mind you, he's been in remission this whole time. So they want to do a bone marrow aspiration uh, pull out bone marrow and test it. They want to do a spinal tap, pulling out spinal fluid as well as brain fluid and have these all tested. And those tests are, I mean, they get down to the microscopic cancer cell. If you have one rogue cancer cell floating around, that test will find it. And they were so sure. And they said, you know, when these start coming back that he has cancer cells and his CNS and his, his bone marrow and stuff, you know, you're going to jail and he's going into medical foster care to resume chemo. Well, they all came back cancer-free, every single Yay. one. And, and, yeah, so at this point, they did not have a leg to stand on. And, and CPS, you know, Child Protective Services, and the Department of Human Services is looking at them like, why are you continuing this? Why are you wasting our time? We have other cases we could be working on where kids are actually being abused. Why are you wasting our time with this? He's been cancer-free for two years. He's healthy. He's growing. He's thriving. Leave this woman alone. And so at that time, I said, I want the port taken out. And so today is the day that he actually went under anesthesia and had the port taken out because I knew that once that port was out, you know, it would be hell or high water before they had before they were going to do it again. Can, yeah. But the bad thing about that port is you have to go in every 30th day to have it flushed or you can get a blood clot near your heart, which is obviously a huge problem. So, you know, that was a really big uh a chess piece for me was having that taken out because taken now out. Landon yeah. does not have to go see them and they can't try to swindle me or, or sway me or, or keep saying, right. oh, well, let's do another bone marrow. No, let's not. Do you know what's you know, interesting Landon's about... poor little back looks like a yeah. pincushion and his spine has pricks all over it. You know, and we don't know the nerve damage we're causing for him later on in life. Yeah. So at this point, they had to agree to disagree and they had to release Landon from treatment. Now, the only thing that they did ask was they wanted me to bring Landon every 30th day to have him tested for cancer. And they wanted me to do this for three years, the rest of the time that he should have, and then a year longer. And I said, no. I said, I'll bring him for one year, 12 months, and after that, you guys are going to get out of our lives and leave us alone. And then I'll bring him back on the fifth year, which is when technically, if you go five years in remission, you are cured. 
Um, so I'm going to take him back, you know, for that uh, to be tested and stuff. But they tested his blood every 30th day for 12 months, and it always came back cancer-free. They did his weight, his blood pressure, all of this. So I have all of this wonderful medical data <laughs> that can tell and show how cannabis cures cancer. Sierra, is he still uh, on oil? Oh, yes, yes. He's uh, So, like I said, we started off at 1,500. Uh, now Landon takes about... 25 milligrams of CBD per day and about 200 milligrams of THC per day. He takes the CBD in the morning and the THC only at night unless he's having some kind of problem like, you know, leg pain or whatever because Landon, like I said, did develop a a lot of issues from the treatments that we still deal with today. Still, you know, every once in a while, Landon will vomit every, you know, a couple times a day and Mm -hmm. there's no rhyme or reason for it. Um, if we're walking or doing an event or something like that, he has, or even, you know, Landon cannot make it as far as the ticketing counter at the airport to the gate because of the neuropathy. Yeah. This is from the chemotherapy. From the, yeah. And they told us, you know, this chemotherapy is called blah, blah, blah. And, you know, one of the biggest side effects is neuropathy. So if he starts complaining of his legs hurting and stuff, please let us know. Well, it got all, for Landon, it got to the point he had drop foot. He had 98% degeneration in his Mm -hmm. nerves and reflexes of the ankles and feet. And if you ever see videos or anything of Landon now, he runs everywhere he goes. He doesn't stop running. (laughs) So we have regenerated solely with um, CBD and THC. He did not do any physical therapy or anything for his nerves. He did no Neurotin, nothing, only CBD and THC. And now we have... 98% 98% regeneration. Sierra, that is fantastic. And uh, with that, we'll let you go. Fascinating story. And uh, Landon's got a great mother. And uh, Oh, thank you guys so much. And thank you for letting me be here to share it. You know, it, it's so important for this to get out to the masses. It's 46 kids a day diagnosed in the United States with cancer. Um, It's an epidemic now. It kills more of our children than almost every other childhood disease combined, including AIDS. Um, You know, we have got to get this information out there that we don't have to torture our children in order to treat their cancer. Absolutely. Yeah, Tierra, wonderful to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You guys have a good day, and thank you for what you do. Corey, I hope that you have a very blessed day, ma'am, and that, uh, you know, things continue to go well for you. I appreciate what you do, Corey. Thank you so much, Sierra. Thanks, Sierra. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Very interesting story, isn't it? Extremely. Yeah, extremely. Um, One of the things when she was talking, I uh, found out today, and I was, uh, what did I do with it? I thought I had it, but uh, I obviously don't have it about the amount of uh, painkillers that people take in the United States. And it is, no, it's, I don't know what I did with it. I lost it. It's mind-boggling. Uh, it was to the extent that uh, they take enough painkillers, Corey, so that every adult in the United States would have their own bottle. That's the amount of painkillers. Wow. Crazy. Opioids. Opiates. That's right. And I should, uh, in conclusion today, just say that Cannabis Health Radio is listener-supported radio to succeed in our mission to help people throughout the world and uh, educate uh, folks about the medical benefits of cannabis. We rely on our listeners. If you'd like to assist us in our mission, please go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a donation. It's greatly appreciated, and we thank you in advance for doing that. And Corey and I will be back again tomorrow. 
You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.